Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. James 4, 6. God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. And then James goes on in verse 10, James 4.10, James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. So with a cry of I am not worthy, Jacob is taking his place in the best position he can be. And he's now among the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman. The centurion who answered the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 8.8. 8. Matthew 8.8. 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof. But speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. And then the Syrophoenician woman, who the Lord said, it's not right to take the bread of the children and cast it to dogs. And she said in Matthew 15.27, Matthew 15.27, she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Humility, humility, humility. And so Jacob is now seeing clearly this is not a matter of telling God the good things that I've done or relying on any righteousness that I have because I don't. But it's just a matter of one mercy of God that God has shown to me after another. One truth that God has shown to me after another and I don't deserve them. So he sees these many mercies of God, these many truths that God says, and he says, I'm not worthy, in verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth that thou showed unto thy servant. So he's come to see the truth of what Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, Jeremiah wrote, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, it's plural, fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See, God's mercies are what keeps us from being destroyed. God's mercies are fueled by God's compassions. I mean, God looks at us and he has compassion. He has compassions, not just one compassion. He has many compassions. He just keeps the, the compassions keep on coming. And if we go from one compassion one new compassion to another new compassion. I mean, God's compassions are like a spring of water that never runs out. The spring never fails. His compassions fail not. Every morning, God's compassions are renewed. Now, some people think, you know, God is hard-hearted, and he's, he's not, he doesn't get affected by what I'm going through. God's aloof. He's way out there. That's not true. That's not true. God's compassions fail not every morning. He has new compassions for us. 
So the word, as a matter of fact, the word mercy is in verse 10. Is that word? It's the word chesed, which means loving kindness. So he says, he says, I'm not worthy of the least of your loving kindnesses. But then he ends verse 10 and speaking about his staff. And we think, that's strange. What's he talking about a staff for? He says in verse 10, I'm not worthy the least of all thy mercies, which thou showed unto thy servants, and so forth. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I become two bands. So we think, what is he brought, what's staff got to do with it? Why is he praying? The best way to understand what Jacob is saying here is to see Jacob kind of asking a question and then looking at his staff. He's holding a staff in his hand. And he says, I passed over Jordan. Did I have any guides? He looks at his staff and says, nope, just my staff for a guide. I passed over Jordan. Did I have any companions? He looks at his staff. Nope, just my staff for a companion. I passed over Jordan. Did I have any protectors? Nope, just my staff. All I had was my staff, my pathetic staff. <laughs> and now, he says, I have become two bands, and if I'm successful, the best I can hope for is that one of my companies gets slaughtered and the other one happens to escape alive. Me, I don't know what's going to happen to me. So, that's why when you come into verse 11, Jacob's not happy with his plan at all, at all. And he very simply begs God in verse 11, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, for lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. He's asking God to simply deliver him specifically from the hand of Esau. That's the hand that's holding the sword. And Jacob, he couldn't be more honest when he put it real straight to God, and he said, I fear him. See, that's the most honest cry of Jacob. And then Jacob tells God specifically, he's got a scene in his mind. Jacob is like saying to God, I can see this. It is the utmost brutality. It's terrible. In verse 11, he says, the mother with the children. The word with in verse 11 is the word al, a Hebrew word al, which means over or upon. It's like the... Jewish airline, all you know, over, going over to get there. But anyway, so over. So it, it, it's over. So verse 11, the mother, it's saying the mother over the children or the mother upon the children. See, that was the position of the Jewish mothers when they died in the Nazi gas chambers. They were over or on their children, trying to protect their children as they died. And this is what Jacob is seeing in his mind. He's seeing, he's seeing the mothers, the mothers of his children, dying on top of his dead children while they're trying to protect them. And so this is, this is what he's got in mind. So now he finishes his prayer in verse 12, like a lawyer. He stated in the beginning, and now he's going to repeat it in verse 12. And he says, And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he's opened his arguments in verse 9 with the words, Lord, which saidest unto me, I will deal well with thee. And now in verse 12, he's closing his arguments in prayer, repeating what he said in verse 9, And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good. So what we see here is how Jacob in his prayer has become now more confident and he's assured now as he's leaning on God. So from the prayer, we, we can see something important here, an important principle. See, Jacob's faith. He clung to and he pleaded 
the promises of God. He pled the promises of God. And from that clinging to the promises, his faith was developed and it grew stronger. And that's a principle. That's a principle for us. Faith clings to and pleads the promises of God. And from that clinging to the promises, of, uh, to the promises faith develops and grows stronger. That's why it's important for us not only to read, not only to learn the Word of God, not only to read the Word of God, not only to learn the Word of God, but it's important for us to use the Bible in prayer as we see Jacob doing here and as really Peter says in 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. We desire the milk of the Word so that we can use the Word in prayer, like Jacob did, like a lawyer uses arguments to plead his case in court. Now, at the end of verse 12, Jacob has finished his prayer, and we go into verse 13, which is the next thing. He lodged there that same night, took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau's brother. 200 she-goats and so forth, 20 he-goats. You can do the math. It's 580. 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels, their coats, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, 10 bulls. I mean, it's just finished his prayer here. And so now you think, okay, he's prayed. He's, he's going to settle in for sleep. He can't sleep. And he can't sleep. And when Jacob can't sleep, nobody can sleep. Yeah. So everybody's got to get up. Everybody up because Jacob has a new strategy. He's decided to prepare a present for Esau. And this is not just a small present. This is 580 animals. You know, as many of you know, I tried to get away from it so you don't call me a goat man anymore. But for 10 years, I cared, my family and I cared for 300 goats. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, for us, to round up 300 goats is a huge job. <laughs> and each billy goat, that, that counts for 50 female goats. <laughs> he's got 20 billy goats. He's got 20 rams in this 500. He's got bulls in this 580 large animals. This is a huge job. This is an unbelievable job. And we can imagine everyone with Jacob saying to themselves, why didn't he have this idea earlier? You know, why does he have to wait till night? and tell us that we have to gather up all these 580 animals. Why do we have to do this all through the night? So after he's amassed this huge group of large animals, we again see Jacob giving these explicit directions for how the animals were to be delivered, the exact message in verse 16 through 20. He delivered them in the hand of his servants. Every drove by themselves said to them, pass over before me, put a space betwixt drove and drove. He commanded the foremost, saying, when he saw my brother meeteth thee and asked thee, saying, whose art thou? Whither goest thou? Whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, they be thy servant Jacob's. It's a present sent unto my Lord Esau. Behold, he is also behind us. And so he commanded the second and the third and all that followed the drove, saying, on this manner shall you speak unto Esau when you find him. And you say, moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I'll see his face. Peradventure he'll accept me. Now, I know what this is like because, because when we lived on the ranch, with our, like I said, with our 300 goats, I would get these ideas and then I would turn to my three boys and tell them they had to do it. You know? <laughs> like the time that I had this idea, we would know we're no longer going to buy goats. We're going to get 50 billy goats and breed them for three years with our does. And they'd look at me and ask, why? <laughs> I'd give them some reply, and then I would always finish by saying, just do it. 
<laughs> and I could tell by the look on their face that they thought I was stupid. You know? <laughs> we can imagine the men here doing the same thing. They're rounding up all these 580 animals like my boys. And I mean, these men had to do all the work to carry out Jacob's ideas. And we can see these, these men like my boys just looking at Jacob with the same questions. What kind of questions would they come up with? Well, how about this question? What did Jacob do before he prayed in verses 7 through 8? Well, we talked about it. Yeah, he divided all the animals up and his people and everything into two camps. And with it, he divided up the group. That was a defensive move to try and save at least half of the company, half of the group. It was a human scheme based on probability, hoping for a partial survival. Now, when you think about that, what's the most important single word about Jacob, what, what, what Jacob was thinking about the outcome of that strategy? Okay, it's in verse 8. Yeah, perhaps, or if, the King James, if, See, before Jacob prays, he's in the realm of if. He's thinking if. He's not really sure. He's hedging his bets. So when Jacob says if, before he prays, he says if, it shows that Jacob's unsure. He has no confidence about what the outcome's going to be. Before Jacob prays, he doesn't have any blessed assurance. And that's what people do today before they pray. They reckon without God and all of life becomes a probability, an if, a five-year survival rate. They live in this uncertain world of if. There's no if with God. When we refuse to link up with God, we live in a world of if or perhaps. The uncertainties and the guidance is by probabilities, like looking at cancer probable survival rates. But when we link up with God, we live in a world, no more of if, but of God's certainties. See, Jacob's plan at this point is a plan of defense to protect himself. So in Jacob's fearful state, before he prayed, he's in a prayerless condition, and in that prayerless state, he takes a defensive action of dividing the group in the hope of a partial survival, the hope of a partial survival, based all on the if supposition. And that's what happens when we don't pray. We're filled with fear. We hope for less damage. We're all about damage control, all the while filled with uncertainties. Now, what does Jacob do after he prays? Verse 13. He makes this present, right? He pursues a totally different plan of action. It's a new strategy now. It's a present. It's a totally different tact. You know, the men that looked at him and say, you know, where to now, Columbus? <laughs> I mean, after Jacob prays, Jacob goes from a strategy of defense to try to protect half of his family from destruction to a strategy of offense with a gift of love for Esau. See, after Jacob prays, Jacob goes on the offensive with a present, a good offensive, with a present, which is a strategy of love. Before Jacob prays, He's on an escape defensiveness strategy. After he prays, he's on a love offensiveness as he now prepares this large present for Esau, 500 animal, 580 animals, the present of love. See, before he prays, before Jacob says, we see a man who is led by his own feelings of fear, of self-defense, and of self-preservation. After he prays, we see a man who is led by God to love his enemies. Now, what are now his feelings now about the second strategy? What are the two most important words in verse 20 
about how Jacob thinks about, uh, about the outcome of his new strategy of love? So somebody said it. Okay, I will. He says, I will. In verse 20, I will appease him with the present. I will see his face. See, Jake, after Jacob prays, there's no if in his thoughts. After Jacob prays, he's left the world of if. After Jacob prays, he's thinking in the realm of I will. Now we see confidence in Jacob as he's sure. He's not hedging his bets in uncertainty. He's in a world of I will. After he prays, it shows that he's sure. It shows that he's confident of the outcome. After he prays, he has blessed assurance. So Jacob's confidence is really based in verse 12 in which Jacob has this confidence of God said that he would surely do me good and make his seed as the sand of the sea and dead mothers killed over their dead children don't make for seed of the sand of the sea. Therefore, I'm going to take a different action, a different tack, a different strategy, which is a love present for Esau. Now, it's very important to see in these verses the contrasting differences, both in Jacob's actions and his confidence, when he did not pray and when he did pray. When he did not pray, he thought of probabilities and uncertainties, and he pursued this course of self-defense of a human escape. When he prayed... He thought of God's word, the certainty of God's promises. He pursues a totally different course of action. That's why it's so important for us to start each day with prayer and to meet each trial with prayer because prayer will change how we think and prayer will change what we do and prayer will change our confidence. He thought, Jacob thought differently. He acted differently after he prayed and we're going to think differently and act differently after we prayed. How many groups of animals did Jacob and his men have to go to to put together the present that he wanted to give Esau? Is it that hard a question? <laughs> How many groups of animals did Jacob have when he went to go to put the present together? Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, two. That's it, two, yeah. How many groups of animals did he have to go to to put together the present? That, let me put it this way. How many groups of animals would Jacob have to have gone through, gone to, to put the present together if he hadn't divided them into two? That's such a stupid question. One, right, okay. So when Jacob acted before he prayed, he divided his group into two, very far away from each other. And that mistake cost Jacob the trouble of having to go to two divided groups to get his present together. That shows us when we fly into action before we pray, we will make mistakes that will cost us. We, when we fly into action without first praying, we will make mistakes that will cost us, like Jacob had to bring his two separated groups back together again. If we act before we pray, we'll find ourselves trying to undo what we did before we prayed. If we go into our day without first praying, you know what it's better to do? It's better just to stay in bed motionless all day. <laughs> you do less damage. Hmm? See, all this change before and after J Jacob prayed had to do with what seemed best to Jacob. See, before Jacob prayed, it seemed to Jacob that the defensive run for survival plan was what he should do. But after Jacob prayed, that plan no, no longer seemed like he should do. After Jacob prayed, it seemed that he should approach Esau in direct love with a present. That's exactly how God works in us. Without feeling particularly spiritual as a result of prayer, different actions now seem 
better options for us. And when these 580 animals are marched to Esau, Jacob anticipates Esau's going to ask, you know, who are, what are these animals? And, you know, and then he tells them what to say. They're a present. A present. You give presents to friends. He's giving a present to his friend Esau. And the difference we're seeing here before Jacob prays and after Jacob's praise is that Jacob is now sure Esau's my friend. Esau is going to be my friend. How could Jacob now be so sure that the man who said he was going to murder him is now going to be his friend and not his enemy? Because in Jacob's prayer, Jacob has made God his friend. And now Jacob is sure that he's going to make Esau his friend by his present. There's a principle. When we make God our friend, our problems get solved. Like it says in Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him, Proverbs 16, 7. Or we might put Proverbs 67 like this, Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways make the Lord his friend, the Lord makes even his enemies to be his friends. And so we've got really one goal in life, make God our friend by making our ways please God. See, having made God a friend by his prayer, He's now assured to make Esau a friend by his present. Okay, now, he says, I will appease him. He's really sure. Is, is he really sure? He's sure. He's sure he's going to make him his friend. So he says, he says, that, he says, I will appease him with the present. I will appease him. It's very interesting when you look at the Hebrew here because I will appease him, it literally it's talking about face. He says, I will cover his face. That's what the Hebrew words are saying behind the word appease. I will cover his Esau's face, meaning his face of anger. He said, and then he says, I shall see his face, and literally the Hebrew is saying, I will uncover his face, meaning his face of love and friendship. So he's going to cover his face of anger, and then he's going to uncover his face uh, of friendship. And then when it says, he will accept of me, again, it's the word face there, literally means he will cheer up my face. He will make my face happy. So in verse 20, three times Jacob is talking about face, 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 all these faces. Jacob, you remember, had looked at the face of Laban and learned he's my enemy. And now by referring to face three times in verse 20, he's again saying that on the face, Jacob is going to learn friend or foe. Jacob wants Esau's face to be covered toward Jacob's guilt, what he's done wrong. Then Jacob says he will behold the face of Esau and be comforted. Then Jacob says he wants Esau to lift up or bring light on Jacob's face. And this, this theme of face, it's going to keep on going. He's going to keep focusing on this, and he's going to focus on God's face later in this chapter, where he's going to end by naming this place the face of God, Peniel. And in the next chapter, Jacob will tell Esau he was glad to look on Esau's face. So when we look at these three chapters together, chapter 31, chapter 32, chapter 33, they're all about faces. Laban's face, Esau's face, Jacob's face, God's face. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning, and help us, Lord, to not walk away empty. In Jesus' name, amen.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.